Today, we're talking about the weaknesses of the Florida Gators football team, Florida and Arkansas from last night, and we'll wrap up by talking about more Florida Gators defensive free agents in the NFL, only here on Locked On Gators and Fire Mike White. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. Not so happy Wednesday. Like the game last night was rough. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter's WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Getting right into today's content. We're talking about the weaknesses of this 2022 Florida Gators football team. And I'm not going to lie. I had to get pretty nitpicky with this because when I look at the makeup of this team, whether I'm talking about the rosters, the coaching staff, whatever it may be, um, there are a lot of strengths with this team. I know yesterday we talked about IQ coverage and red zone offense. There are more strengths, but those were the big three that I wanted to talk about. And I wanted to talk about three weaknesses today and three unknowns tomorrow. And there are a lot of strengths and there are, I think, a lot of unknowns. But I don't think there aren't a ton of weaknesses that we can say are weaknesses, like definitively are weaknesses. I think that's one area where Florida is, again, either strong or completely unknown at this point. So I don't I don't want to call something a weakness if I don't think it's a weakness. So I had to get a little nitpicky with this. But then like as I was getting into it, I was like, I, I understand these at least. Like first up is pass protection. Um Look, you guys know I've been very, very critical of this offensive line individually, talent-wise, but I've said if you could make it work as a team, as a, as a unit, you can make it work. The offensive line, they have players that have been here or have have played elsewhere. Like you could look at guys like Osiris Torrance from Louisiana, who's now with the Gators. Um, and you look at pretty much everybody that's here, and it's like, well, they're – not great pass blockers. They're not amazing run blockers either, but they're better run blockers than pass blockers. So you look at pass protection, and I think that's going to be a bit of an issue for the Gators this year because it's going to be a lot of screens, which usually takes an O-lineman or two out of the play anyway. And then a lot of deep passes. And uh, and I think that's going to be a little bit of an issue if your offensive line can't hold up properly trying to get the ball downfield, especially when you don't have someone like you, you don't have Kadarius Tony who can just run by defenses and get quick. You're going to need time to let that play develop. And I think pass protection is going to be an issue, especially when Florida decides to challenge vertically. I, I think that's going to be something that Florida is going to run into a problem with. Run after the catch, I think, is going to be another big problem. Like, I, I think I wanted to put explosive plays here, but I think running the ball, Florida will create explosive plays. And I think throwing the ball downfield, Florida will create explosive plays here and there uh, if the pass protection holds up. But a lot of it's just going to be whoever the quarterback is throwing the ball deep to Justin Shorter or Xavier Henderson and probably not making a ton of run after the catch there because you're probably going to be catching the ball near the sideline. And then you also look at players like, I know Gators fans didn't like him, but you look at players like Jacob Copeland, He's not going to be here. Like, he's gone. He's in Maryland. You look at players who 
it's not that Gators fans didn't like this player, but Gators fans, I don't think, really appreciated him and everything he did. But Rick Wells, Rick Wells was solid after the catch. And then you look at someone who, especially running after the catch, really turned it on for Florida last season, late in the game, or late in the season, Kamori Gamble as a tight end. We have Keon Zipper, who we know is more athletic than Kamori Gamble, but we don't know if he's going to be as route savvy or if he's going to get open as much or how um, shifty. I don't know. Kamori Gamble is shifty for a big dude. I don't know how shifty Keon Zipper is going to be with the ball in his hands. So I think when you look at who we have here, no, nobody's really shown their ability to create a ton after the catch. You look at even running backs. We don't have Damian Pierce. We don't have Malik Davis. It's a lot of things where the guys that we have have not proven anything. And I didn't even want to put this in the unknowns because I think this is going to be a weakness. I think that the outside receivers are going to get a lot of catches and a lot of targets in the passing game. And I think that they've kind of shown they aren't dynamic playmakers in the sense where they're going to make dudes miss. They're they might run through guys. Justin Shorter might might put some dudes in the ground, but they're they're not going to be these huge run after the catch threats, and I think that's going to be a little bit of an issue with Florida, especially when you look at how much they're going to want to incorporate the screen game. And depth, I think, is the other big weakness, or the, the, maybe possibly the biggest weakness on this Florida Gators team. Because yes, there are positions like or position groups like the secondary, which has a ton of depth, ton of top talent ton of depth but you could also look at wide receiver there's not a ton of depth here that there's not a ton of proven depth here you look at tight end there's not a ton of proven or unproven depth there there's just not a lot of guys on roster right now that can provide depth for this team um you look at interior defensive line it's like Javon Dexter and then below him you got Desmond Watson Chris McClellan Jalen Lee all all the question marks or guys that haven't been dominant. Like Desmond Watson, insane potential as a nose tackle, but he really did not get the push that we would hope that he would got last year. He didn't create those plays in the run. He wasn't eating blocks and forcing double teams. He was he, he was just a big dude. <laughs> like the, That's all it was. He was just a big dude. He was a space eater. But usually when you have a space eater, not a space heater, usually when you have a space eater, they eat two blocks at the same time. And Desmond Watson didn't always command that because he didn't have enough push from his legs. So I, I think that when you look at the interior defensive line, there's issues. Wide receiver, like I said, doesn't really go seven or eight deep. There, there's not that many guys for a team that's probably going to want to rotate a bit. So I, I think there are a lot of question marks on this team that we'll talk about tomorrow. But I think when you look at this roster, you got to go pass protection, running after the catch, and depth are going to be weaknesses probably for the 2022 Gators at least. And it's up to the coaching staff to kind of work around those and create plays and create an offense around those. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolution time. If you haven't already given up on yours, usually they don't even make it to February, fun fact. But if yours is to get fit, eat healthy, do whatever you got to do. Make sure to include Bill Barr in your plan. I'm horrible at keeping my at keeping my diets whenever they are, not even New Year's resolutions. But my weakness, that's sweet tooth. And I love it. I talk about it all the time. Luckily, though, with Bill Barr, it's already coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein some 18 16 they're all in that range throw out the hidden stashes the reese's and the destroyer the kit kat in the back of the cupboard and just get built bar so you don't have to sneak around and feel bad 
Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Now it's time to talk about the Florida Gators versus Arkansas game. Um, I have notes from the first half. And the second half, I decided I was just going to go with my heart. <laughs> that, that's all it came down to was me going, this is a game where I'm, I'm just going to go from the heart. Like Arkansas hadn't won in Gainesville since 1995 going into this one. It was a 14-game losing streak in Gainesville. Now it's over. Yay! Fun stuff. Um, but I think one of the biggest takeaways for me here is Colin Castleton is just so good. Like I can't even tell you how heartbroken I was at this loss, which was weird for me because when talking about Florida beating Auburn, I was like, hey, you know what? It's a great win, but I think Mike White doesn't get fired. Um, I, I don't think this game really changed that. I really don't. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. I think he's I think he's on the hot seat for sure, but we'll see how the rest of it goes. But like going into this game, I didn't realize how bad I wanted this win. Um, Maybe it's because I was on Twitter during the game more than usual. And like, I got to see like Josh neighbors from lockdown Razorbacks talking his trash and, and all the fans talking trash. But um, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize how bad I wanted Florida to win this game. And Colin Castleton just, he's so good. Like, like he's just so good. And like, it also, it also could be like, I'm someone who I, I love post play. So when I watch, you know, I mean, Colin Castleton career high 29 points. Like it, like it was a big game for him. First half, he had 11 points on five of seven shooting. And I mean, just one rebound and one assist. And that's going to be a trend that continues because he finished with six rebounds. But you, you'd like more from a guy who is this team. Um, threes in the first half were falling a ton. Anthony DeRouge was hitting them. Tyree Appleby was hitting them. Everybody was hitting threes in the first half. Um, and I mean, it, it was seven for 16, I believe at halftime. And I forgot who it was, but there was a Gators reporter on Twitter that was like, um, look, that's going to be a really hard thing to keep up because this isn't a great three point shooting team. And boy, was he right. Um, the Florida Gators went ghost in the second half from long range. It was just, it was just awful stuff at that point. Like, uh, like, because it wasn't even just things weren't falling. Shots weren't getting attempted from three, and I think that was the that was the bigger concern for me when watching the game. Was just th this team lost their aggressiveness from three, and I understand a good part of it was because they were like, "Hey, Colin Castleton, Aiton, let him keep eating." But at a certain point, like it, it was clear that Florida was forcing the ball into the paint and they were doubling Colin Castleton and they were, they were standing in front of him to cut off the passing lane. They were doing all these things. And it just, it, it seemed like the offensive plan there was pass and dribble around until you can get the ball to Colin Castleton and then the, let him make a play. And it, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't working. It wasn't the way to go. Um, which I, I also get being like, Hey, feed the hot hand. So I understand that argument and I'm not going to kill Mike White for that part. Uh, I, I don't think that's a huge fault on him um especially when it was it was a close game you know the final score was 82 to 74 but the game was way closer than that it was really the final 40 seconds where arkansas took the lead started separating and started doing all that. and so it, it was closer than that i do think mike white should still go for just 
the constant disappointment this season, you know, losing the Texas Southern, losing to Ole Miss, losing to all these teams that Florida should have lost like the AM game even last week. But that's that's not even my biggest gripe. Uh, also, like I, I saw people just constantly complaining online about uh, the referees, which both sides were complaining. And I feel like if both sides are complaining, then you can kind of be like, then it was pretty even. Like, like if you if you see a trade and team and fans of team A are like, we won. Fans of team B are like, we won. Or they're both just like, we got screwed. Whatever it may be. I feel like if you have a disappointment where both sides feel like they lost the trade, or they, you know, whether they lost or won that that little trade off, I guess. Um, I think you could say it was fairly evenly balanced, you know, and. I get it. Jalen Williams didn't get his fifth foul. Like a lot of Florida games hope, like a lot of Florida fans hoped and, and the Florida Gators were trying to force, but there were plenty of no calls that got called or no fouls that got called and fouls that got no called on both sides. I, I think, I think officiating did that thing that they do a lot where they make it about them. But also, it was one of the most physical basketball games I've seen this year. Um, it was like, look at Colin Calston and Jalen Williams. They were going at it. And people complaining about Jalen Williams' elbowing and all that stuff. Like, I get it. But it, it was one of the most physical games. And, I mean, I, I yeah, if Jalen Williams fouls out, Florida probably wins that game. But... Again, Florida got away with fouls. Arkansas got away with fouls. Florida got called for no fouls, and Arkansas got called for no fouls. So I don't care. Colin Castleton had a career high twenty-eight points. I would have liked to see him more active on the boards. Like I said, like like the six rebounds, it's not awful, but I would have liked to see Colin Castleton be a little bit more active. And one of the things I will fault Mike White for is how much Colin Castleton played because it wasn't even halftime. And you could tell he was he was feeling. I I don't want to say he's gas, but you could tell he was feeling it because it was such a physical game, and he was the focal point of the offense. It, it was very clear that he was getting tired. Uh, so I, I would have rather seen him sit for a little more. But I digress there. I also will say, yeah, damn, yeah, damn, that confidence. Uh, Colin Castleton is something different right now. Like like he's playing with a swagger that I don't even know the last time it's been matched in Gainesville. Like I, I don't know the last time I've seen a player be able to take over the way Colin Castleton can and talk the way Colin Castleton does. Cause he was getting pissed at a lot of points in the game. You could tell he was getting very frustrated with Arkansas. Um, that confidence is crazy on him and good for him. But also just as a team in general, Florida needed to be more active on the boards because Arkansas had 12 offensive rebounds, and that's way too many. Um, especially when you look at how many of them were surrounded by Gators and just not fighting enough for it. And even if our and even if you did fight for it, not coming away with it. There's one point where I forgot who it was that came down with the rebound for Arkansas. There's an offensive board surrounded by three Gators. And it's like, how is one per- one person box them out? And the other two grabbed the ball. It's as simple as that. Anthony DeRuji went ghost in the second half uh, offensively. I, I wish Mike White did something to get him more involved because he was two for three in the first half. Like he was, uh, I don't want to say he was 
feeling it because like it was two for three. It's not like he was or two for three from three. It's not like he was five or six or anything, but he, he was clearly doing something right in the first half. And then he just went ghost, which again, that's a product of getting the ball at Colin Castleton so much. But I, I, I think there were certain parts of this game that could have been handled better, specifically minutes. Um, I wanted less minutes for Colin Castleton, more usage. Like I tweeted, I was like, Hey, Give Colin Castleton like a Joel Embiid type of usage. But alas, that was not the way things went. That wasn't the way things went. Colin Castleton, though, still career high in points. Awesome for him. Proud of him. And he's I'm I'm convinced now he's gonna be a like he I was saying, like, oh, I don't know if he's gonna be an NBA player. He's gonna be in the NBA. He might not be a superstar, but he's gonna be in the NBA and he's gonna be someone that teams can rely on to score in the paint and play solid defense. So he he's gonna be an NBA player for a while, I think. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I did. Heater yesterday kind of screwed me up a little bit. You know, the Florida game kind of screwed. I took money line. I don't care. Uh, even if I took the spread, would have lost because it was an eight. I did take the under, which lost also. So that was really fun. But that's like 80% of the fun is just like sitting on the edge of your seat watching games being like, oh, man, this is my bag and a hint. This is my bag and a hint. But I get to do it bet online because betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida losing through a whole lot of wrenches into my plans. BetOnline.net even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. You guys know I always use my phone when I use it. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. To wrap up today's show, we're talking about defensive free agents that were Florida Gators in the NFL. I know I did this last week. I believe it was Thursday. and Wednesday and Thursday last week, I believe. Um, and I got some more because, like I said, there's a lot of defensive guys. And we're going to go very in-depth on potential landing spots and, and contract sides once we get a little bit closer to free agency. But uh, there were a few more guys that I wanted to touch on. There's four more players that I want to just just cover because I think I, I, I think we're going to hear them a little bit uh, when we get closer to free agency. Like Keanu Neal is someone who... He's a safety. They moved to linebacker this past season with the Dallas Cowboys back with Dan Quinn. And I know that a lot of Gators fans, like I loved it when he was coming out. I was like, this dude just brings it. Like he, he just like, you ever play Madden and you just right stick up every time. And that's Keanu Neal. He's just, he's trying to hit you hard. Um, but he, he had his bumps in the road this year. You know, it was whether he was dealing with a little injury, getting banged up, whether it was just the growing pains and going through the motions of changing a position, which I don't know if you've ever played football, um, specifically on defense, and you change positions, but it ain't super easy. Um, so kudos for doing it in the NFL, because damn, <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. It's not very easy, especially go from safety to linebacker is very different, but, uh, I mean, Keanu Neal is someone who's still a very good athlete. If he's playing linebacker, if he's playing linebacker, he's an athletic mismatch. If he's playing safety, he's a physical mismatch for guys. So I, I think that's an important thing to talk about with Keanu Neal is just his positional versatility. Yes. He moved to linebacker, but he could still play, you know, he, he could bump to the slot. If there's a tight end out there, he could do whatever he's doing and he can kind of work his way into, uh, into a defense and a defense team. I do think that we'll see 
back in Gaines, uh, back in Dallas with the Cowboys, just because I think he's got familiarity with that system. And we know that Dan Quinn likes him, obviously was with him in Atlanta and then brought him to Dallas. And I, I think that I'd like to see him back in Dallas. Uh, Jared Davis is next. You know, he didn't play much this season. He was on IR for pretty much the first half of the year. And then when he was healthy, he didn't play a ton, which when he signed with the Jets, I was like, I don't understand this signing. Because um, Jared Davis, he, he was never great in coverage. And if you're a linebacker with the, well, the 49ers defense, Robert Sala brought to the New York Jets, um, I think that you've got to be good in coverage. And that's not Davis's strong suit whatsoever um but uh yeah i'd like to see him not be with the jets anymore i think he's best suited for a 3-4 team where he could either play sam or like a pass rushing middle linebacker role because he he like that's one of the things that i've loved about him is he's got a quick first step like like he he doesn't have pass rushing moves really but he's got a very quick first step and or i don't even want to say quick first step but he he accelerates aggressively um, and I think that he really excelled at those A-gap blitzes where you're not showing. Like, like, imagine Creepers with that Mike blitzing, and I think Jared Davis really shined there. I think he did a great job of that when he was with the Lions, and I wouldn't mind seeing him back in Detroit. I think he'd be great in that defense. Or really, really a lot of 3-4 defense. I know that there are a lot of Tampa Buccaneers fans that listen to this, so Jared Davis would be a great fit because he could just be that A-gap blitzer for Todd Bowles. This very aggressive blitzing defense next up is Taven Bryan who is someone who I remember before he was even draft eligible Bleacher Report I don't remember who wrote it but I remember Bleacher Report put out an article that said could he be the next JJ Watt and I was like who is this man and it was Taven Bryan and since then and before then and after then uh, there's been the question of can Taven Bryan ever reach his potential? You know, he, he's getting a pressure on 8% of his pass rusher snaps, and that's not ideal. Um, but Taven Bryan's been looking for that role in the NFL because we thought it'd be pass rushing the tackle, but he hasn't worked out to this point, And he's always someone that has had immense potential. They weren't wrong when they said, could he be the next J.J. Watt? That's a fair question to ask, especially if Taven Bryan, when he was coming out of Florida, because he was this athletic dude, a big athletic, and he can get things done. And it was like, well, that's what J.J. Watt does. He's big, he's athletic, he can get things done. But Taven Bryan just never developed to what he could have been. And it's not too late. He's still pretty young. He could still take steps forward. But it'd be interesting because I think if a team signs him, it's going to be a one-year deal, kind of like Dante Fowler Jr., where it's like, hey, <laughs> you were a Jag. Not that that's going to be the actual relevance, but <laughs> you were a Jag. You didn't reach your ceiling. Let's see if you can do it here with us on a one-year deal. And maybe it'll happen for Taven Bryan. The final Gator in free agency to talk about is John Bostic. Um, I don't think he's going to get a ton of money, which, I mean, the following reasons are, he played the first four games of the season this year, and then he got injured, and he missed the remainder of the year. And on top of that, he is a veteran leader and a run stopper. That does not equate to a big contract in the NFL because he's losing value. but Not by the day, but he's losing value by the year because John Bosick is that, that throwback. He's a veteran leader, like I said. He's a run stopper, like I said. But the NFL is becoming an increasingly fast-paced, 
an increasingly pass-heavy league. That makes guys like John Bosick not super useful. <laughs> that that kind of carves him out, and that takes him off third down and takes him off against a lot of teams. Takes him out of second down too. So you're you're paying for a one one down guy or situational linebacker, which I understand, but a lot of teams don't pay a lot for situational linebacker if that situation is run stopping. If they're paying for situational linebackers, it's usually coverage or pass rushing. But he's still got a role to fill. And I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in him because even if you're not signing him to play a ton, uh, you want him to help your younger linebackers that are more athletic and he can kind of help pick up the pieces and kind of help them put things together. So John Bostic, while he won't be a big free agent signing, I think he's going to, uh, I don't want to say outperform his value. I think he's going to be a steal is what I'll say. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first to listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about the Florida Gators and the unknowns that are going to be on this Florida Gators football team this year. Don't forget to check out Lockdown Bets. They've helped me make money when Florida doesn't help me make money. Hosted by your boy Q with handicapping expert Lee Sterling. And it, they're just great. Just, just I promise you won't regret it. If you do bet, you won't regret it. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E and I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.